This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. It's been quite a week of messy San Francisco politics. I know, you might be thinking, when isn't it? But the city's effort to update its supervisor district boundaries has erupted into a chaotic process that saw all the hallmarks of classic city hall drama. Every 10 years, San Francisco has to redraw its boundaries after the new census data comes out. The city had a deadline to meet, deliver a new district map by 11.59 p.m. Thursday, April 14th. That didn't happen. That's because agreeing on a new map is a tough process. There's a lot at stake. Redistricting or a recalibration of the population data into 11 districts ensures that lines are drawn fairly. The idea is to preserve fair and effective representation or political power among different communities in the city. For San Francisco residents, redistricting determines things like who would appear on your ballot, which supervisor you'd elect to represent your needs and interests. It sounds like that should be a boring, sleepy process. It's been anything but. Instead, it resulted in accusations of political bias and ethnic suicide by community members. We have seen uh, a consistent, deliberate effort to silence the voices of communities of color. We are saying no more. An unusual attempt to oust three members who are responsible for drawing the map. The election commission meant to consider calls for pulling its three appointed members from the redistricting task force. Those members were even called in to defend their work today. A walkout of four members of the task force after a long weekend meeting. And even a foul-mouthed tweet from Supervisor Hillary Ronan to Supervisor Matt Haney that read, quote, Matt, are you really starting to believe your own bullshit, or is this just more bullshit? How did we get here? What does it mean when San Francisco can't get over its own BS to draw a map? City Hall reporter J.D. Morris joins me today to talk about why the final map draft didn't pass, what San Francisco communities were so worried about, and what the consequences of a failed deadline may mean. J.D., thanks for being here to help us sort through this messy but important process. Thank you for having me. By now, San Francisco residents have gotten a sense of how long and torturous this has been. Before we dive in, tell me a little bit about what it's been like covering this compared to other things you report on for City Hall. Well, In my short time on the City Hall beat since January, this has already become one of the most controversial things that I've seen. You know, it's a very technical process and one that does not normally result in this much controversy. It certainly didn't in San Francisco the last time that it was done. Two districts in particular, District 6 and 10 really grew 
in population a lot. So the task force was always going to have to make some pretty big changes, but it, it's the way that they've gone about that that has really ruffled a lot of feathers in San Francisco. So, J.D., this is a big responsibility that you're describing. Can you tell me who makes up this redistricting task force? How are those people chosen? This is not an easy tax, so who gets the responsibility to do it? It's a group of volunteers. These are nine volunteers who are appointed uh, equally uh, by different branches of the city government. So three of the nine are appointed by the mayor's office, three are appointed by the board of supervisors, and three are appointed by the elections commission. Um, and they they all have a, a wide range of backgrounds, people who are involved in the community in, in various different ways. And does the public get input into this process? Yes, and quite a lot. Probably the, the main reason that their meetings have been going on so long, some of these meetings have gotten out at like 3.30 in the morning, is because the commission has been taking very extensive amounts of public comment at its meetings. So one of the priorities of the task force, one of their obligations is to try to not break up what's called communities of interest. Mm -hmm. Kind of a marquee issue is in the fight over what's happening to District 6. The population there has grown a lot since the last census. Well, the way that the task force is responding to that has really proven to be quite controversial because they had considered taking the tenderloin out of District 6 and moving it into District 5. But one of the reasons why that was so controversial is because you have in the tenderloin and south of market area, you have the transgender cultural district and you have the um, leather and LGBTQ cultural district in um, in Soma. And those two cultural districts have said that they want to stay together in the same supervisor district. But the most controversial map that was considered by the task force would put them into different districts. So you had you know folks from the cultural districts speaking up and saying, we don't like this, you know, this is going to dilute our political power because we'll no longer be represented by the same supervisor. In addition to the changes proposed to District 6, what were the other changes that caused a lot of the uproar? The big one is in in District 10. Um, So currently District 10 is Bayview-Hunters Point, but also Potrero Hill, and the Dog Patch. A proposal that the task force previously considered would remove Potrero Hill from District 10 and move it into District 9. That was really upsetting to a lot of community leaders in District 10, especially uh, some of the Black community leaders there who have said that Bayview and Potrero Hill have really close ties to each other. I say at this point in time, it's time to leave black people alone. Your attempt to silence us is not going to work. 
Dogpatch, Petrera Hill, Visitation Valley, and the Bayview all belong together. This makes no sense. We have all lost valuable sleep and time. You have tried to pit the Asians against the black people, and we're not gonna tolerate it because we know together we're more powerful Thank you. And so there was quite a lot of concern expressed from the community that it, by taking Potrero out of the district where the Bayview is, that that could hurt the political interests of people who live in the Bayview. So, J.D., hundreds of people attended these redistricting meetings to speak up, provide their public input. You've mentioned the LGBTQ community, the Black community. What other interest groups and communities in particular were really voicing their concerns? Who were some of the loudest protests? It sort of run the gamut of all kinds of folks in San Francisco. But, I mean, you also had the Filipino community um, in in the Tenderloin South of Market area um, has been another big voice that's been speaking out. Every community that you can think of throughout San Francisco has been influenced by this process, and a number of them have spoken out. Mm-hmm. So, J.D., a lot of people were unhappy, especially progressives. And, you know, there were accusations that the task force, uh, you know, their latest draft of the map was called a moderate power grab. Can you break that down for me a little bit more? What was what were they saying? Why did they call it that? So District 5 is, is a very progressive district currently represented by Dean Preston. One thing that they've looked at is moving Haight-Ashbury and north of the Panhandle, which are very progressive areas that are in District 5 and putting them into separate districts, progressives are concerned that it would splinter some of their key constituencies and, and dilute their influence by putting them into different districts so that they they don't have as much sway compared to what they currently have. In doing so, it could make it a, a little bit harder for progressives to be elected and a little bit easier for moderates to be elected. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So we now know that the back and forth and the discontentment around the way this map was draft eventually led the task force to scrap the plan entirely for now. But... To back up a little bit, this has 
resulted in a lot of drama. We've seen it play out on Twitter, for example. You know, how did this all culminate into the Elections Commission, considering at one point the the really unusual step of removing three of the members of the task force? That prospect happened at the 11th hour. Tell me more about that. The commission had received letters from the League of Women Voters of San Francisco and Asian Americans Advancing Justice urging the commission to speak to its appointees to, quote, reinforce to them their duty and obligations to give due weight to the public input of historically and systemically marginalized, vulnerable, and disadvantaged communities. The letter didn't ask the commission to remove its appointees but recommended a special meeting as soon as possible regarding these urgent concerns. So then the Elections Commission had that meeting last Friday and decided not to remove its three members. But then things continued to get dramatic after that because the next day was the Saturday meeting where the task force was supposed to adopt its final draft map. By the time they voted on that in the wee hours of Sunday, four of the five task force members had stormed out of the meeting in protest. And there was even a very angry Twitter fight between supervisors Matt Haney and supervisor Hillary Ronan. Tell me about that. How did the supervisors sort of divide themselves into camps around this redistricting issue? What happened there was... Supervisor Matt Haney represents District 6, which includes the Tenderloin and South of Market. The task force had been looking at breaking those neighborhoods up, keeping the South of Market in District 6, and moving the Tenderloin into District 5. Supervisor Haney came out and said that he felt that even though he didn't agree with what the task force was doing, He respected the independence of their process, and he thought it would be wrong for the three of them to be removed. And Supervisor Hillary Ronan, who represents District 9, which includes the mission, she felt very strongly that what the task force was looking at was a political gerrymander. And I think she felt compelled to speak out about that on Twitter. And so she had some... Harsh words for Supervisor Haney about that. So a lot of harsh words are exchanged, Twitter fights, hundreds of public comments. How does this, J.D., culminate into what happened on Wednesday, which was another latest dramatic turn? The task force rejects its final draft map in a 5-4 to vote. How did all that go down? It's important to know that going into Wednesday's meeting – it was supposed to be the last meeting of the task force. In the early hours of Sunday, the task force had voted in favor of a final draft map. They had released that for public viewing. And then at their last meeting on Wednesday, they were supposed to possibly make some minor changes and then vote to finally adopt that map in time to meet a deadline set by the city charter, which is that new supervisor districts need to be in place before April 15th 
At the start of the meeting, however, on Wednesday, Reverend Townsend, the chair of the task force, said that he wanted to take more time. He said he simply wasn't done yet. That then raised the question of what would happen if the task force didn't meet its deadline. The city attorney's office said that the charter did not allow for a deadline extension and that if the task force did not meet the deadline that it ran the risk of litigation. The task force now plans to meet again on April 21st, and we're just going to have to see what happens legally. So, J.D., what does this mean now? I mean, it's been weeks of angry input, lots of back and forth. Does the task force now have to go back to the drawing board, back to square one to draft an entirely new map? No, they have considered a lot of different maps before, so they're not going back to square one completely. If, you know, the majority that voted um, against adopting the map on Wednesday night, you know, remains in the majority that what they do approve as the final map is going to look a lot different than what they had considered on Wednesday. I'm imagining there's also been a lot of happy responses to the vote on Wednesday. Are progressives thrilled about this result? I think so. Uh, A common refrain that I was hearing was that, you know, a a late map was better than what they described as a, a class warfare map. However, you also have a lot of people who are dismayed by the breakdown in the process that they see here, dismayed by the task force's failure to meet this deadline, dismayed by the idea that it could mean that a court steps in, finds that the task force hasn't fulfilled its duty, and takes the redistricting process out of the task force's hands entirely. Some of the task force members said on Wednesday night that if a judge had to intervene, maybe that was okay. So the redistricting process has to happen because every census, we discovered that the district populations are now unbalanced. And you noted in your reporting, to take a step back a little bit, we know this process is difficult, but this is a result of San Francisco's housing policy. Can you explain what this is really a symptom of? Well, I mean, there's a a lot of debate there, but it is just true that between 2010 and 2020, if you look at where a lot of the housing in San Francisco was built, it happened largely on the east side of the city. That's why District 6 had a population that was 30% higher than the target, because San Francisco allowed a lot of housing to be built in Soma, in Mission Bay, in the east-southeast side of the city. And so to the extent that, you know, folks were mad about how the district lines were being redrawn, you also had a lot of people that were pointing out that if 
San Francisco had just allowed more housing to be built in other parts of the city, mm-hmm. on the west side of the city, for example, that perhaps the lines would not need to change so much. J.D. Morris covers City Hall for The Chronicle. For ongoing coverage of the redistricting saga in San Francisco, visit sfchronicle.com and The Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for editing this episode and Vanessa Arredondo for the production help. Thank you for listening. <laughs>